Hi friends! Have you been thinking of starting your own podcast? We use Anchor to post our episodes and it offers so many amazing benefits. First of all, it's completely free to use. Yes, it's free. And it also gives you the option to clip your episodes straight from the app or on the dashboard. So it makes it a really convenient one-stop shop. Anchor is also a Spotify program, so that means your show will post to Spotify automatically. And you also have the option to post to any other platform through the RSS feed link. This gives you full range of all the podcast platforms to get your show out there. The best part is that Anchor gives you all of the analytics directly linked to their platform. So you can post, edit, and track your show's progress all in one place. So try Anchor today for free now at anchor.fm. That's anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Hey friends, this is Katie, host of the true crime podcast, Malice and Mocktails. Join me every Monday as I dive deeper into both vintage and contemporary true crime cases from across the globe. And because true crime can be a bit of a bummer, I also share at the end of each episode delicious mocktail and other alcohol-free beverage recipes. Thanks so much for listening. Cheers. Creeps and Freaks. Creepies and Freakies. Welcome back to the In the Nick of Crime podcast. My name is probably Michelle. I'm pretty sure I'm Courtney. You totally threw me off. (laughs) I feel like we're losing our identities at this point. Mm, Yeah, I identify with my bed. Yeah. (laughs) Because that's where I'm at now. Are we too early in this game to be having an existential crisis? Uh, I mean, my life is an absolute nightmare right now, so yeah. Same. (laughs) So, you know, we're here. We're here. We're We're here here for the ride, guys. Yep. (laughs) So, welcome. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. (laughs) We are a true crime podcast. We like to do some spooky, spooky, spooky shit. And we have a lot of comedy, and I'm going to add in now that we have a lot of fuckery, too. We do have a lot of fuckery. We do. Yep. That's kind of our, our MO. Yep. We're here for it. We're here for it. We hope you are, too. You better be at this point. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So speaking of fuckery, girlfriend, what do we have for this Wait. week? Oh, what? We need to do some shout-outs. Oh, we do have some we awesome shout-outs. do some shout-outs. Let's go. First and foremost... Kayla with Dark Tales from the Road, you sweet angel baby. I absolutely love her. She gets not only a shout out for being an amazing podcast podcaster, absolutely. doing the damn thing by herself on her own. Yeah, so kudos, girl, because I don't know how you do it. She also is now a patron of ours. I know, girl. We love you so much. You are so incredibly sweet and supportive. Absolutely. And you know we've got your back. Anything you need, but. My gosh, I just am continually just so 
surprised with. We also have a really fun connection with her, with her being a native of Colorado. Yeah. So that's a fun, like, little thing for us to join yep. in on with each other. And yep. Exactly. Banter back and forth. That's nice. Exactly. Yes. We also want to shout out Courtney and Patrick with Evil Pudding. Woo-hoo. We're gonna um we are gonna swap trailers. We are gonna put their trailer in one of our episodes coming up as well. Um, but seriously, they're just we told them like we want to be them when we grow up because they're yes. kind of like of the new podcasts that have recently come out. I feel like they're kind of the elders in the game and they're just crushing it. Oh, crushing it is like an understatement. Yeah. They're destroying yeah. it. And they seriously are just like they just scoop everyone up and love them and just, it's so sweet. Oh, and they're just amazing podcasters in general. Yeah. Like, their banter is great. Their stories are amazing. Yeah. And I'm I mean, they're hooked. married, so I would expect nothing less. I mean, mad props. Right? <laughs> so, thank you so, 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 so much. Um, anything else at the top? Oh, yes. Um, quick note about Patreon. Yes. We are kind of redoing things a little bit we are going to go down to a monthly bonus episode so there's really only one less um it's just we're kind of trying to get in a groove our personal schedules have been super busy and we don't want to bite off more than we can chew we want to keep delivering good content all the time um that being said we do have a patreon episode that's ready to drop i was kind of waiting to drop it until we figured out what we are going to do so that will be coming out um so for now what we're going to be doing so in addition to the monthly bonus episodes you're going to get ad free episodes because we do have little baby ads now in our regular episodes and um probably most likely you'll get the episodes the night before they usually drop Mm -hmm. so we'll be doing that we're also looking at some other small items too but we'll keep that on the low low for now um, secret but yeah we promise it will be worth your while regardless but we're just kind of trying to get in a groove that works for everyone yeah we don't want to burn ourselves out and yeah. we also don't want to bring shitty content yeah so. exactly and on the note of the patreon too we're putting extended show notes for every episode and that's public so anyone that goes on the patreon can view patreon can view those so we can start conversations on there you guys can talk to us on there and discuss the cases anything like that so we're really trying to make it inclusive in general mm-hmm. and only you know bonus content and we will still have perks you know for the patrons but other than that it still will also be accessible just in public without being a patron yes ma'am yeah and i think that's all we have yeah so let's hop into uh what you got for some uh, fuckery this week so this one's funny because this is not funny but it's like it was fuckery but now it's like not fuckery Oh, okay. So we're straddling I'm, the like, line. super confused, but let's go. It'll make sense. I'm sure. Um, so, I'm sure everyone has heard of the human swine named Yasser Syed. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that piece of shit. Um, so he killed his two daughters. Uh-huh. Yeah. So back in 2008, I believe. Yes. Uh-huh. So he's a piece of shit. He killed his daughters, Amina and Sarah, in 2008, and it was a, quote, honor killing yeah 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 yeah. i don't have any words for that yeah so his trial happened and his sentencing happened oh yeah i think either yesterday or the day before so today is august 10th this happened august 9th um his sentencing happened but there was victim impact statements at his trial one of which was his ex-wife patricia owens 
And they, Amina and Sarah were her daughters with him. Mm-hmm. And I guess it was extremely impactful. But his daughters were so sweet. They just looked so full of life and just, and they were young. They mm-hmm. were at the prime of their life. And I know we talk about that so much, but good God, like there was no reason for this at all, at all. But I guess she looked like directly at him and said, um, and reminded him of all the abuse that they endured at his hands. And he allegedly pulled a knife on her, I guess, at one point in their marriage too. Piece so, of shit. Piece of shit. And she said that he made her a weak woman throughout the relationship. So he Yeah, if you get beat down enough, life. yeah, that's what yeah. happens. Yeah, exactly. At the trial, she said that he... She told him that he was a devil and that he murdered their girls. And she said, I hope someone gets their hands on you and hurt you and do every and do everything you ever did to anybody. That's counting the nine bullets you put in Sarah. Nine. And she called 911. Amina, two bullets in the heart. My God. It makes me sick. Like, I remember when that case came out, but it was, like, before I really paid that much attention to true crime. But I, I'm truly sick to my stomach. I know. Like, I'm ready to it's, lean over and hurl right now. I know. It's disgusting. He, he, he's their father. Clearly only by sperm donation, honestly, because a father has feelings. A father has heart and a father has love for his children. And he clearly had none of that. What a piece of shit. It's just disgusting. But she also said during her impact statement, she said, you deserve to die now, not in prison. You took my life. You took my family all in one night. You can keep those evil eyes glaring. Just glare away because this is going to be the last time that you see me. Yes, bitch. Yes, bitch. Yes. yes. Ooh, I got goosebumps. I do too. All over my really body. <laughs> all over my body. Um, so, yeah. I'm like, I don't want to go into all the gory details of it because that case just fucks me up. But... The non-fuckery part of it, bitch got life in prison. I hope you don't get those shower shoes and you gotta get fungus on your feet every time you go and take a shower. Mm, if you're even allowed to take a shower, in my opinion, but <laughs> whatever. <laughs> hope you're in solitary. Mm, bitch. Or maybe Gen Pop. Because, let's be honest, don't feel like he's gonna get great treatment in prison from the other prisoners. No, he's a child killer. Exactly. They get very, very yep. awful treatment in prison. So, yep. 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 I'm happy that yep. he gets that. Exactly. So, I hope he gets a shit beat out of him every day. Uh-huh. Yep. Honestly, I'm, I'm glad, bar. though, because he can sit there and have to live with what he did every day, and he gets beat up and uh-huh. treated like shit because of his choices. Right. And also, this, I want to add this into, like, because I'm not getting into all the great details, but they said that during the trial, they presented an email from one of the girls to one of their teachers prior to him killing them, saying that they feared that their father would kill them. So they knew. That's disgusting. Oh, those poor babies. Seriously. Oh my gosh, I can't. Mm-mm. Okay, so prosecutors did not pursue the death penalty. He was convicted of capital murder, but that meant that it was on the table. But prosecutors didn't pursue it, so... Probably because they wanted him to rot in jail and get yeah. the shit beat out of him all the time, which I'm right. totally there for. I see nothing about possibility of parole. Perfect. Anyway. That's yeah. all I want. Yep. I don't want him to have that ability. And their mom and the girls left to escape him. I know. It's disgusting. Mm. It makes me so sick. But do better. Yeah. Don't be a piece of human garbage. Absolutely. But he's going to rot. Mm-hmm. 
that's what matters. Yeah. Bye, bitch. Bye. Anyway, that's what I have for weekly fuckery slash non-fuckery. Got a mixed bag today. Okay. Yeah. Like it? So, what in the fuck do you have for us? (laughs) (laughs) That was the best intro ever. (laughs) Um, So... (sighs) I feel like the last few cases that we've done have been pretty heavy yes. cases. And yes. so I wanted to bring something to the table that was still true crime, but not so heavy. I'm here for um, it. I was just thinking the same thing. I was literally like going through my list and I was like, I need to do something lighter for next week. So I'm yep. glad you're on the I, same I, page as me. I ran with it. Yep. So I'm going to bring to you today the story slash sadly murder of Tupac Shakur. <gasps> okay. Here for it. Here yeah. for it. So I'm not going to really talk a whole lot about his death until the end, but okay. I'm going to actually give you his background, which I think is yes, very because important. we can because yes. we have all the background. We do. Yes. Here um, for it. And so the other thing that I'm, I'm kind of pissed off about, so we just talked about this, about mm-hmm. how our Carrie Farver episode and uh, t- uh, Kanika John, uh, Jenkins, Jenkins yeah. episodes were all of a sudden on all of these like big shows, like these TV yeah, shows, they just so started airing weird. episodes on them out of nowhere. Yeah, because they weren't, because the Carrie Farver episode of True Convictions, that was what, like, I think two years ago. 18, I yeah. think. So yeah, almost four years ago. And yeah. then Kanika Jenkins, I've never seen anything on TV about it in any of the shows I've watched. No, so yeah, and now it's all of a sudden crazy. it's out there. So today, when I was on our Instagram, like yeah. talking to people, all of a sudden ID comes out and says the nineties, the story of Tupac Shakur and uh Biggie. What the And I was hell? like, What the fuck? This is, is it the anniversary of his death? No. Not even well, we're kinda getting there, but no, not yet. He was technically shot... September, yeah. He technically died September 13th. Damn. So. That's crazy. I know. Weird. Super crazy. Weird. Maybe we're putting things out in the universe. Maybe. Mm. I don't know. Hmm. So I'm going to get us started into this story, y'all. Let's do it. So when Tupac Shakur died, he was 25 years old. Yep. Just a um, baby. A baby, baby. Yep. He was a rap ph- phenomenon, and he was one of the most That's celebrated figures. statement. Well... <laughs> it is, but it isn't. So get, when he yeah. actually died, Tupac Shakur was not that big. Yeah, he was like posthumously. Yes, he was revered. on his way up that yes. chart, but he wasn't to what he is. Yeah, absolutely. Even and after that happens happened. a lot, we I see know. that with artists who like Van Gogh. He oh, yeah. didn't sell a single piece of work before he died. No, but then yeah. you know he dies, and there's like <laughs> everywhere. Because people don't realize what they have until they're gone. They really don't. Bullshit. But he's one of the most celebrated figures in the rapping generation, mm-hmm. and he generated more than $15 million in record sales in the five years leading up to his death. That's crazy. Which is mind-blowing. Yeah. And that's not even, like, where he ends. Right, exactly. Insane. Yeah. So, to fans, Tupac is a prophet. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a lyrical prophet yeah. out there, y'all. Um, and... But to authorities, he was a public menace. Yeah. As he rises to fame in the rap world, he gains a lot of enemies. So, mm-hmm. it's insane. And I did a lot of my stuff comes from Vanity Fair. Um, yeah. So, Robert Sam Anson of Vanity Fair kind of tells his story. great articles. Oh, amazing yeah. articles. Um, 
But he discovers that Tupac Shakur was actually destined from birth to shake up this world. Absolutely he was. Yes, but this is way before him. So Robert actually followed Tupac's uh, career because Mm -hmm. he knew his mother. Her name is Afini Shakur, or as she was previous known, was Alice Williams. Uh Um, As she was originally known that because she then became a revolutionary. I love it. I know. That's amazing. So, in 1968, 21-year-old Alice, who took on the African name of Feeney, mm-hmm. um, moved to New York City, where she became heavily involved in the civil rights movement. I love it. Oh, my gosh. I know. I have chills, like chills already. so bad. Yep. Um, she was a part of the Panther 21. Oh, my gosh. And in 1969, she and 20 companions were accused of trying to start a race war via blowing up department stores and police stations. hmm she was released on bail in 1970. Good. And that was when she became pregnant with Tupac. Oh. Now, I love this it. woman is a badass bitch queen, let me oh, tell I you. Oh, I don't why. even got. Seriously, you create a child like that, you have to be something special <laughs> right. because seriously, <laughs> She's oh my god. Amazing. So, the Panther 21 trial actually drags on for 8 months and she successfully defends herself while pregnant. Yes. Oh my god. And she's showing that she's a fighter not only for herself and her family, but her people. Oh my god, that's amazing. I know, I have shows that's amazing. talking about it. Oh like, my it's god, so seriously. Crazy. So in May of 1971, the jury deliberated for less than 20 minutes, may I add, because Damn. this woman is so badass in how she defended herself. And they found the entire group not guilty of 156 counts. Fuck yes. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. And then Tupac... See, it's because she's creating... She's creating... This revolutionary little creature in her body. (laughs) Um, But the best part is, is that Tupac Shakur was born a month later. Oh my god. Mm -hmm. (gasps) So she was like really pregnant. Really, really pregnant. I like literally have like rolling chills. (laughs) No, they don't stop, right? Oh my god. So Tupac Amari Shakur, which I guess he was originally... Like his name at birth was uh, Lassane or Lassan. I'm not sure how to say that. Parish Crooks. Let me see. But I think she changed his name to the African, uh, to an African name. Yeah, I love which it. Which I absolutely love. I'm totally here for it. Lissane. So, Lassane Parish Crooks yep. was his uh, birth name, but he goes by Tupac yeah. Amari Shakur. Yeah. He was born June 16th, 1971 in Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn. At two years old, Tupac's sister, Sakiwa, was born, and Afini moves the family to Baltimore because she was offered a job in data processing. Now, before this, she was a paralegal, but it was really hard for her to make money and be a mom at that time, Yeah, especially being an African woman in just that day and age. Mm -hmm. It was just a nightmare for her. So she moved to data processing and moved the entire family to Baltimore. I love it. I do, too. Um, at 14, Afini, Afini lobbies very long and very hard for her son to begin at the prestigious Baltimore School of Arts. Like, she's a badass. She seriously, like, she will fight for her children. Oh, yeah. And she wanted and the clearly, best. I, I'm so sorry to interrupt. But, like, clearly with what she was doing before, like, with the Panther 21 and everything, she was fighting for her child's future. Absolutely. And she is continuing to fight for her children's Absolutely. future. What a mama bear yeah, dude, she's amazing oh i love it so much so he gets into this school where he begins writing poetry he starts enjoying spakes shakespeare spakespeare wow courtney <laughs> hashtag <laughs> courtney says gotta love it <laughs> so he enjoys 
Shakespeare. <laughs> he gets involved in school plays. And then this is really oh, where sh- he starts to take rap seriously yes. and starts to develop this talent. Right. Because you said he was 14 at this 14. time? It's like 1985. And that's like early on too. Mm-hmm. That's so amazing. Yeah. See, he was a fucking trailblazer. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We all knew he was. Oh, but just for sure. For it. sure. Um, so while they're living here, there's actually a young man that's shot and killed in a gang shootout and Afini moves the family to, uh, Marin City, California. Okay. When Tupac is 17. Yeah. Unfortunately, Marin City is not the paradise that they hoped it would be. Yeah. Um, if you know anything about it, it was actually called the jungle back in the day and it was basically a project. Yeah. Um, that's not me being derogatory. That's literally right. what it is called. Right. Um, so this is when Tupac's world really flips upside down. Mm-hmm. Very sadly, uh, Afini becomes addicted to crack cocaine. Mm. And this disappoints him because yeah. his mother is his world at this point. And, and she's strong. And she's and, like, strong. It's an illness. Yes. And it hurt mm-hmm. him a lot. So this actually caused him to want to become a man and go off and do his own thing. Yeah. So... In 1988, he quit high school right before graduation, and he set out on his own at 17 years old. My gosh. Which is just heartbreaking yeah. to know that somebody had to go through that. And yeah, that his like mom he is like struggling. that's the path that he had to take. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So at this point, he's living on the street. He's getting help from friends and hanging out with them and people who he... Who knew he truly had a talent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of those people being uh, Layla Steinberg, who was a dance teacher at the mm-hmm. time. And she was actually doing a workshop that he was involved in. And she really saw this talent in Tupac and was like, this kid needs to go somewhere. Yes. So she sends a video of him to the most fa- one of the most famous managers I know. And mm-hmm. that's Antron Gregory. Yeah. Um, who then later becomes his manager. That's amazing. But the best part about this is, is uh, Atron Gregory was also the manager of a group at the time well known as Digital Underground. That's so awesome. Which, let's <laughs> fucking go. That's so awesome. Fucking love me some Digital Underground. Like, <laughs> let's go. Um, and he asks them to take Tupac on tour with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, See, it's just people that saw it in him. He has had that fucking spark. This is before he was born. Way before he was born. Truly. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Light that boy up. Yeah. So he ends up going on tour with them. And something that they said that was kind of funny is Tupac would, you know, obviously open their shows for them because he was the lesser known artist. But then he would literally end the night with rapping and then would be like the last one up in their group. Like just straight up still rapping on stage. That's so cool. (laughs) Throwing random lyrics out. Yeah. Doing his thing. That's amazing. Like Eminem style before Eminem became Eminem. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> when he um, was so Marshall Mathers. Yeah. Right? Yes. <laughs> um, so Atron Gregory puts Tupac's demo out to a ton of record companies because he knows this kid yeah. can go big and he oh, needs yeah. him to get out there. He finally signs with one of the most famous record labels at the time of Interscope Records. Holy shit. Yeah. I didn't realize he had first signed with Interscope. That's amazing. Yeah. They were, like, literally the biggest. Yes. At that time. Yeah. That's amazing. And he just took it on. Holy shit. 
So, November 12th of 1991, which, not too far from my birthday, y'all. <laughs> and I was alive. <laughs> um, Tupac releases his first solo album record, which is called Tupacalypse Now. Love it. Which I fucking love. <laughs> I actually really do enjoy that album. It's one of my favorites mm-hmm. of his. It's not well known, because it's his first, yeah, but I still right. love it. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't an overnight sensation. Yeah. Which... It happens. It happens. Like, yeah. you can't always be overnight. Yeah. But some songs did stand out. One of this, one of the songs was uh, Trapped. And mm-hmm. Trapped is a very emotional song. I don't know if you've heard it. I have, yeah. I That song is always hard for me to listen to mm-hmm. um, because it talks about being a young black male, being trapped in the ghetto, and being harassed and abused by the police who were supposed to be protectors of the citizens. His lyrics were calling attention to problems that, in terms of law enforcement in the community, was greatly disliked. Yes. And he was so far ahead of his time, Mm -hmm. because if we think about now, where people are rallying and they do feel more empowered to speak out, he was kind of one of the first, you know, to actually do it. Yeah, like, to actually speak out and do this because it was unheard of and it's fucking baffling to me like I'm not even gonna get started on that tangent but it makes me sick but it was he was really like he was a trailblazer yeah he was because at that time it wasn't people weren't as comfortable to speak out and I am so glad that he started because seriously think about where we would be how far back we'd be and we have leaps and fucking rounds to go in this country. Do oh, not we get do. me wrong. Absolutely. At all. But think about how much farther back we would be. Oh, I, oh, completely and yeah. totally. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, is that people don't understand, and I'm going to, I'm going to throw something out there real quick. I was nine years old when Tupac died. Okay. Mm-hmm. For being a nine-year-old, my parents were very lenient on what I did and listened to and what I watched. I'm surprised by that, actually. (laughs) Oh, my parents, I had explicit CDs, I think, from the time I was, like, five. I'm not even kidding you. So surprised by that. My parents would sit me down and talk to me. You went to a private Christian school. (laughs) Yeah, but I was always that kid that kids wanted to be because I had all the explicit content CDs. Oh, same. (laughs) I was, like I said, I was nine when he died, but the thing for me that people don't understand is, like, my parents would sit me down and be like, okay, these words are not allowed to be said. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, you can listen to this, you can watch this, but these actions are not to be redone. Like, my parents treated me like an adult as a kid, which I loved, honestly. Because it serves your kids better. Like, Absolutely. If, and it all depends on, like, how they take that. True. How they run with that. If yeah. they actually take that and are functioning humans. Exactly. <laughs> with that advice. And something that I really learned from that is I, you know this about me, but I, when I hear music, because I'm a big music person, lyrics are my thing. Mm-hmm. And Tupac yeah. is who actually started that for me. Yeah. Because Tupac at the time was rapping about his experiences on the streets and his life and things that he witnessed on the daily. Yes. And it really taught me as a kid, and I know I was only nine, but I learned a very big lesson from his music. Mm-hmm. And that was that The life that I had, not every kid had. Yes, exactly. And it made me appreciate... Now, granted, I did not grow up in a super rich family or anything like that, but I did grow up much more privileged than than Tupac and the people that he was around. And it made me appreciate what I had. That's amazing. And it made me feel so sad and angry for 
people and children and families who had to live in that lifestyle. Yes. And I still feel that way. Yeah, absolutely. And that's his legacy because he's a lyricist. Like, that's the difference is because we all know there are garbage rappers. Oh. Especially nowadays. Rap. Like, mm. yeah. Seriously. Like, Don't they rap about started. fucking nothing. Like, there's <laughs> nothing. The color fucking nothing. purple. Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing going on in there, okay? And he was a lyricist. Like, he was a fucking poet. Yes. And he... He, he is literally called a lyrical poet. Seriously, and just so eloquent with his words mm-hmm. and with matching his life to what he was putting out there because everything was about his life, his experiences. Like, he rapped about what he knew. And I think him coming off of, like... Because, you know, he was right around the time with NWA releasing Fuck the Police. Which, that started a whole another exactly. uproar all on its own, which I, think, I was all for it at the time, especially, yep. like, there was so much that needed to be done in our police department. Yep. And... Their music and their lyrics yeah. are what got people's attention. Because it was the LA, like the LA riots, it. absolutely. You know, like that was all around that time, and it was just such an influential, influential time. And I feel like he was ahead of his time. Oh, he was. He absolutely. started it. Yes. So this is where I'm going to start getting into when Tupac's name really started to change. His lyrics started to change. Mm-hmm. What he stood for really started to change, and not all for the better. Yeah. Right. Um. So on April 11th, 1992. There was a shooting in Texas um, that Tupac's music became a national spotlight for. Mm. The incident was when a state trooper pulled over a 19-year-old man, and he ended up killing the trooper. Um, The 19-year-old stated that before and after he was arrested, that during the shooting, he was listening to Tupacalypse, and the event... About that. <laughs> You're powering down. <laughs> so <laughs> emotional. <laughs> um, breathe. Man. <laughs> Hashtag shit corny says. <laughs> that wasn't even shit you were saying. That was Hashtag ha- noises that yeah. she makes. Hashtag noises Courtney makes. <laughs> when her mouth is moving faster than her brain. Facts. Because <laughs> we both do that. We do. <laughs> I'm so hot from laughing. <laughs> we haven't even been laughing. I know. This Fuck way. me. Okay. <sighs> um, so the defense said that it was Tupac's, and this is their exact words, Tupac's fiery lyrics that led to the trooper's death. Which I am a very big fan of you make your own choices. Exactly. The music doesn't do it. It's the same with ICP. I was a big ICP yes. fan back in the day and they got so much shit. Yeah. Because their lyrics supposedly cause people to go kill people. And yeah. my thing is, is you're, if you're going to listen to that music, it's your choice to do right. what you do. Also, the then, um, well, the then. Wow. Hashtag shit Courtney says. The okay. then. <laughs> the then. <laughs> um, this also caused a problem because the vice president, the vice president at the time. Do you need to like take a little bit break? No. It's <laughs> okay. I got this. I got this. <laughs> So the vice president at this time, Dan Quill, of um, what? Of the United States. Oh, okay. Yeah, Dan Quill. He said that Tupac's lyrics had no place in our society because of this. Of course. Of course. And it's not okay. That is not okay what happened no. to that trooper at all. No, not no at all. No one's excusing that. It's No, terrible. and even his manager, Tupac's manager, said that Tupac's intentions were never to incite violence. No. Tupac's intentions were to bring... 
uh, light to what was going on in the world that people were right. turning away from and of pretending didn't his happen. Personal experience. Yes. He experienced that shit personally. Yes. It's your choice that you right. shot the trooper. Yeah. While you happen to be listening to that decision music. to do that. Yes. And him trying to blame it on Tupac. That's bullshit. Absolutely. So at this time, Tupac's 21, and he goes from homeless to famous overnight, and mm-hmm. his music is dubbed gangster rap by the media. Right. Now, you and I grew up in a time and place when gangster rap was an actual term. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, is that gangster rap was a word used by people who didn't understand that rapping was about talking about your life. Exactly. And not to be generalized as a slang term. Exactly. And let's be honest, that was gaslighting and it was derogatory. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But the thing is that you have to look at the fact that the community of rappers took on that title and decided to make it something that wasn't derogatory and make it into what they wanted. Which is amazing. Yes. Because you're flipping the narrative. Absolutely. And that's how it should be. Like, you do whatever the fuck you need to with that because people are going to be ignorant and not understand what you're about. Make them know it. Yep. A couple other things that were flipped was the word thug. Uh, Tupac had a tattoo across his stomach that was, Mm -hmm. it said thug life and life had a bullet in it. Yep. Um, The other word was pimp. I mean, 50 cent P-I-M-P, like really flipped the idea. And I put that in quotes. Right out here for a pimp. Literally won a Grammy. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and Mm -hmm. all of those terms they took and turned into... A persona. Yeah. And uh, and a lot of people are going to disagree with me on this, but I think a good persona. They flipped these yeah. negative terms and made them into something that people looked at and didn't look at as a derogatory exactly. term. It was a, okay, well, this guy's in this genre, gangster yeah. rap. This right. guy is a pimp, not I'm pimping out hoes, exactly. but he's like this high dollar, yeah. classy man. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. They flipped all these terms, and I thought that was really cool. Yeah, because they're taking it back. Yeah. Take it back. Yeah. Run with it. Yeah. And they have every fucking right to. Yep. So this is where, this is where I have to kind of put myself in this category. Okay. So this music was not only famous among the black community, but it was even more so famous among the white affluent teenagers. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who want them seem like they're hard. Not myself personally, but yeah. yes, a lot yes. of people that I knew at the time, you know, they were into you know, Tupac and Biggie mm-hmm. and Eminem comes around and, yeah. you know, you've got this now white rapper out there who's trying to dominate this world. And, yeah. you know, it's one of those things of, I get that because I was a part of that. I, however, the other people that are listening to it, they're doing it for an image correct. and they're not doing it because they actually connect. Right. Correct. Yes. Because even though you couldn't personally relate to what he went through, his lyrics touched you. They did. And it wasn't just and him. And you realized what it was. Absolutely. For what it was. Absolutely. And yeah. it wasn't just him. I mean, you got Dr. Dre, who I'm, yeah. I love. You know, you've oh got God, Snoop Dogg. You've got uh, Ice Cube starts yep. coming out. You've got every Biggie, Notorious B.I.G. Yeah. Like, literally, these lyrics are speaking to my soul. Yeah. yeah. But then you've got also the community of the white affluent teenagers who are like, oh, I'm a hard-ass gangster exactly. when you literally live in, like, the Hamptons. Yeah. yeah. D- like, that's ridiculous. You, you feel no oppression. Friend. Exactly. You feel nothing. <laughs> Learn your place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So Tupac not only had a talent for rapping, but then he actually lands the lead role in the movie Juice, which mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen Juice. I've seen bits and pieces of it. I haven't seen the whole movie. I, I will loved admit. that movie growing yeah. up. I <laughs> I told you I probably shouldn't have been watching the stuff that I watched, but That's my okay. parents were very adamant Dude. about talking to me about what I was watching. So Tupac not only had a talent for rap, but he becomes a lead role in the movie Juice, which mm-hmm. love that movie. Obsessed with that movie. <laughs> um, he portrays a gun crazy thug which helps boost his image of being a thug. Okay. This is where that that word starts to come in in his life. Yeah. Um, while his career starts to rise, um, he starts to run into stuff with the police. And in 1993, he becomes very well known, and not for the right reasons, um, as it was stated, quote, from the start of his career, he was a lightning rod for controversy. Okay. Many say the Pac Tupac, wow, Pac, Pac Tupac, okay. Many mm. say that Tupac was known to not accept injustice, right. which we all know that. Yeah. Um, because... He fought for what the fuck he thought was oh, wrong. absolutely. Yeah. And he was very adamant of not accepting injustice being done to any human, but especially people in the black community. Yeah. And in October of 1993, he was in Atlanta, and he was pulling into a hotel when he saw two white males harassing a black male. hmm He got out of his car, and the two men approached him, and gunfire was exchanged. Right. To which Tupac injures both of them. Okay. Because he's kind of a badass, guys. Yeah. Um, come to find out, this is fucking crazy. Come to find out, they were undercover police officers. Oh, shit. I remember this now. Yeah. yeah. And when he was, a, he was arrested, but he was then let off because of the evidence that proved that the officers... Were being shitbags? Yes. Yeah. So, it was proven that one of the officers is actually who initiated the gun exchange. Shocker. And then they were also drunk and... The guns. The officers that were drunk. The officers were drunk, and and they were technically undercover at that time. Yes. What the fuck? And the guns that they had were stolen from an evidence locker. The fucking balls. I said, shake my damn head, like, dude. I didn't know all that shit. Mm-mm. The balls on these bitches. Yeah. So this. Well, good. I'm glad he was fucking let off on oh, that. Absolutely. Seriously. So this skyrockets his street cred at this oh, point. Oh yeah, like, absolutely. Because people know he's going to fucking look out for you. Absolutely. Because so many, like, a lot of musicians get a bad rap for looking out for A1. Like, that's mm-hmm. it. The one and only. And obviously, like, he's going to fucking look out for Absolutely. people. Absolutely. He's definitely fighting for it. So a month later, he's back in the news. Yeah. He was at a club in New York where he met a young woman. And he had her meet him at his hotel room. And okay. then a bunch of his roadies actually joined the room came into his room Tupac claims that he left but the woman stayed and then she claims that she was raped Mm. by the roadies and Tupac what the fuck this devastated him because he didn't want to go to jail for something that he didn't do well yeah and I don't blame him did he actually think the roadies did it though yes he did so it was it sucked so (laughs) He actually has to go to trial, and while he's awaiting trial, he begins to write his third album, all while his name and his notoriety were causing more problems for him, and people actually started putting contracts out on him. I know. Mind-blowing. Fuck, man. Yeah. 
So while he's awaiting his trial, he gets a phone call that he can't refuse. Right. Um, he's called to record a song with someone. It's never stated who that someone is. Hmm. Um, and he was also offered $7,000, which at the time, this would have been very helpful to him because of the trial. Yeah. And then attorney fees and investigator yeah. fees. Like, Shit. he had a lot going on. Right. So shortly after midnight, he enters Quad Studios, which is just off of Times Square with three of his companions. Mm-hmm. As they enter the elevator, they're encountered by uh, two other men who pull guns on them. Tupac's companions hit the deck. Like, yeah. they're like, fuck them out. Like, right. I'm down. But right. Tupac is Tupac, and he pulls his gun out of his waistband, and yeah. he shoots. Yeah. Tupac is shot five times to include in the head. Oh, my God. And on his body in the exchange, and clearly somebody wants him dead at yeah, this point. Yeah, absolutely. He like re- they set him the fuck up for that. Oh, the, it was a setup. Yeah, and the whole knows. recording thing, all of it. There, yeah. that's there's no way it's a fucking coincidence. Mm-mm. So he realizes that at this point he really needs to lay low. Yeah, and the police, of course, labeled it as a robbery. Are you fucking kidding no, me? No, I'm dead serious. And this is what I'm talking Seriously, about. Like, back like, in the day, like... It was before smartphones, though, to be fair. So, it's like the trail of all that shit wasn't... It wasn't... I mean, it was literally a payphone. But on. still, like, you... Right. It was a fucking gunfight. How is that a robbery? Right. But whatever. Right. He was approached by two people with a gun. He protected himself from those two people with guns. What the fuck, Yeah, man? it's crazy. Seriously. So, this actually strikes up a feud between Tupac, who is the West Coast crew, mm-hmm. and their East Coast rivals, who are yeah. represented by Biggie Smalls, yep. Notorious B.I.G. Yep. Like, Crazy how they both went out in infamy the same fucking way. Mm. Like, and I, it's interesting that you say that, because they come postures. back together. Have you been thinking of starting your own podcast? Try out Anchor. We use Anchor to post our episodes and it offers so many amazing benefits. First of all, it's completely free to use. Yes, I said free. It also helps you so you can upload your episodes straight from your app or your dashboard, which makes it super convenient and a one-stop shop. Anchor is a Spotify program, so that means your show will post to Spotify automatically. You also have the option to post to any other platform through the RSS feed. This gives you full range of all the podcast platforms to get your show out there. The best part is that Anchor gives you all of the analytics directly linked to their platform. So you can post, edit, and track your show's progress all in one place. Try Anchor today for free at anchor.fm, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. So people have to understand that, like, these feuds were a real thing. Yeah, absolutely. These were not, like, some bullshit, whatever. Like, West Coast versus East Coast. Like, when back when I was a kid, like, you were West Coast. Yes. Or you were East Coast. Yes. Like, there was no yes. in-between. And it's so... Especially in the rap game. Oh, it's like, absolutely. people didn't even like... They were like, Not if chills. you listen to West Coast rap, you didn't listen you to did East Coast. You did not listen to East like, Coast. Didn't fuck with the other. Which brings me to my point. Today... I put Tupac Radio on my Spotify. Biggie's, Biggie's on there. Oh yeah, absolutely. Easy E. People, yeah, people. Everybody will put starts them together. Combining. Yeah. You have yeah. T-shirts and products now that have both their faces on it. Oh yeah. And it's like, 
mind-blowing for those of us who grew up in that time because Mm -hmm. it's like you don't really understand that that is an actual feud and like if I was a Tupac fan which I was I didn't listen to Biggie right like you boycotted it and a lot of that is Gen Z yes who like because Biggie especially has like had a resurgence like my nephew's actually like into Biggie right now and he's had like a resurgence Mm -hmm. and um, especially I feel like after the Super Bowl halftime show this yeah. past year, like, oh, yeah, it was such a, so fucking I good. Oh it. my Nobody God. Nobody else, like my older generation and the younger generation were like, oh, that sucked. But all of no. us millennials were like, it was so fucking good. Oh, it like, was so good. I loved it. It right. was such a beautiful and, tribute. Cause it was Eminem, Mary J. Blige and Dr. Dre, Dr. I'm pretty Dre, sure yeah. all sober. Performing at the halftime show together. It was so fucking good. Amazing. It was, yeah, incredible. Yeah. I don't even give it. I don't give a shit about the halftime shows most of the time, but that was was one of the best halftime shows I've ever seen. So fucking good. And that's what kind of like I struggle with nowadays because it's. It's not this segregation of these people who, this was their lifestyle. Yeah, and I wonder how they would feel about it today. Like, if Biggie and Tupac were still alive, how would they feel about that? You know? You know, I think it would... I don't think it would have changed. I think their yeah. deaths is what changed the rap game. Yeah, absolutely. Because it really, after they both died, it did kind of bridge that gap mm-hmm. for so many people because people were realizing what they were missing on the other side. Right. You know? Like, what they were missing if they were strictly West Coast. They're like, shit, East Coast has such amazing shit. And same thing on the other side. I absolutely. feel like it really bridged that gap. It and did. brought... People together with it. The rap game changed. It did. 100%. Not all for the better. So they become rivals. Yeah. And a year later is the court date for this rape case. Damn. A year later. so fucking long. Yep. He wasn't in jail during this time, right? No. Okay, good. Um, but he's still in bad shape. He yeah. shows up to court in a wheelchair. He's not able to walk. He has oh a bandage wrapped around his forgot. head. I... So you're saying the court date for the rape? Yes. Was a year later. Yes. I totally forgot after about the, the shooting, other which oh is my crazy. God. So he's still in really bad shape, but yeah. he wants to show up for sentencing because he wants to show that he's not running from this and right. he thinks that he's innocent. Right. And it's a fucking miracle he's alive at that point. Absolutely. He is convicted of sex abuse, but he is found not guilty on the more aggressive charges of rape, sodomy, and weapon possession. How was he even convicted of sexual abuse? Seriously. I what the don't fuck know. evidence did they have of that, aside from it being his hotel room? I'm gonna claim it's the 90s. Yeah, that's fair. And it's also... It's not, like, this is not fair, but, like, that no. claim. I get it. I get yeah, what it's the 90s, and, and sadly, like... Bullshit. Everything was bullshit. Like, that NYPD was bullshit. LAPD was bullshit. Profiling. 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 Hashtag I'll say it for you, Courtney. Profiling. Thank you. Was a big thing back then, and I don't think people understand. Yeah, how it's bad still, it was. Yeah, think about today. Where it's oh, right. still a big thing today. Exactly. This is like times fifty. Uh, and yes. then think about the civil rights movement, segregation, slavery. Let's go all the way back, friends. Mm-hmm. And think about shit still sucks. Yeah. I'm not gonna get on a tangent. Just saying my piece. Okay. <laughs> So he gets one to four years at a maximum security prison. Are you fucking kidding me? So, good part from this. While he's in prison, his third album is released. It's called Me Against the World, which is one of my favorite albums. Such a good album. Um, Yes. 
it was released, and there's a song on there called Dear Mama. Mm-hmm. And Dear Mama actually oh. flew up the chart. I know, I Literally got chills all it. the chills around my body. Oh. <laughs> that song is so It's so sweet. good. Oh my gosh. So this song flies up the charts, and he actually wrote this song for his mom, who had beat her addiction, and they had reconciled their relationship. I'm going to cry. I know. He's been through so much shit at this already point. and he's Dude. he's just barely over 21 at this point seriously which is insane fuck so even with his fame the albums he's been in a bunch of movies at this point i think he's yeah. been in three movies mm-hmm. by now um tupac is paying legal fees and he's supporting everyone that he holds dear in his life at this point so he's struggling financially yeah. and he struggles to put up his bail This is rough. Okay, so it's at this time that the lead competitor of Interscope Records, Death Row Records, Mm -hmm. seizes the chance to snag one of rap's biggest stars. Damn. Suge Knight, who is the CEO and founder of Death Row Records, offers Tupac a chance to leave prison, but at a very high price. Tupac signs with Death Row Records on September of 1995, and they post his $1.4 million bail. Dude, and it just feels like an omen. It is rough because once they get him out, they put him up in these like swanky ass hotels, and then eventually he moves into a house that they pay for. I don't know that Suge Knight was not. Oh, I'm gonna get into what he's up to. Shit. So you know they're they're giving him this lifestyle that he's been dreaming of with his career. Yeah, and literally. Promising him the world. Oh, absolutely. Because he's thinking, like, finally, this is my fucking chance. Yeah. To get something good. And you have to remember who else is in Death Row Records right now. Snoop Dogg mm-hmm. and Dre mm-hmm. are also in Death Row Records at yep. this point. Death Row Records is truly just as rough edged as it's named. It, yeah, it seriously had that persona. They they rode with that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, a little bit of background on Suge. Suge Knight, uh, and the gang members that he surrounded himself with are from a place known for drugs, gang violence, and just continual feuds, which mm-hmm. is Compton, California. Yep. Which everybody knows about Compton. Everybody knows the yeah. song Compton. Everybody's straight seen the movies Compton. Compton. Yeah. Like, yeah. straight out of Compton, yeah. yeah. But I just throw Compton because that's what it is. Yeah. The thing that people don't understand is that Compton has a very, very, very dark and violent feud between two very notorious gangs, which are the Bloods and the mm-hmm. Southside Crips. Yep. And it runs very, very deep. Right. He ran with the Bloods. He yeah. was a full-on Blood. So, at this time, Tupac's not a gang member. We know right. this. Like, he's been very adamant about staying out of that right. particular limelight. But he really embraces Suge and the Bloods, and shortly after signing with Death Row, Death Row Records, he releases his fourth album, All Eyes on Me. Such and I put my hands in a prey album. because yep. that album truly, truly opened my eyes. Yeah. And that album was like, that is the one that people, it's just, associated with. One. Yeah, like, it is synonymous with Tupac. Obviously, duh, it's his album, but like, that is the one album that. There's so many songs on that album yeah. that people can so literally sing the main chorus lyric yeah. of because it was so famous. Yeah. Um, one of those songs is Hit 'em Up, which mm-hmm. was one of my favorite songs off that album. Yep. 
But the hard part about this is that the album showed a very violent side to Tupac's lyrics. Yeah. And it was a direct coast, or direct coast. <laughs> Jesus. Oh God. It was a direct hit on the East Coast competitors. Right. So as we know, he's not a gang member, but he embraces Suge and the Bloods, and shortly after signing, he has his album come out. Mm-hmm. Prior to getting involved with Death Row Records, Tupac's image was not that of a gang member. Right. But that all changed very, very quickly after he signed with them, and his image moved more to the gang side of business. Right. (sighs) So despite all of his record sales, Tupac is still broke. Like, broke as fuck. And a lot of people say it was fueled... It is what fueled his rage and his lyrics and his music at the time. He's working so fucking hard mm-hmm. to, like, not get ahead. And here's where the shitty part comes in. So, he's broke because Death Row Records books state that Tupac owed them $4.9 million. because he fucking sold his soul. Yeah, because they're charging him for everything, including his bail bond, yep. all those hotels and yep. houses and they shit that they put him that in. Shit for free. Nope. But they made him think that it was. And that's the shitty part. See? So he got fucking taken advantage of again. Mm -hmm. Dude. Yeah, it's rough. So September 7th of 1996, Tupac joined Suge and the other members of Death Row to watch the fights between Mike Tyson Mm -hmm. and Bruce Selden at the MGM Grand Hotel in Las Vegas, Nevada. As they're leaving, one of the members of the groups recognizes another guy across the hotel. He says that he actually turns to Tupac and tells him that he's a crypt and that he's the one that jumped in for his medallion a few months earlier at a mall in in California. Yeah. Something you have to also remember about the gangs at this time is that Death Row Records, if you were a part of them, you had this necklace that literally was a gold chain with a big-ass piece on it that says Death Row Records. That's the medallion he's talking about. Okay. Um, This, there's actual video of this. Tupac actually starts marching across the hotel Mm -hmm. where he starts beating the shit out of this guy. Holy fuck. And everyone else from Death Row Records joins into this fight. Damn. Security actually breaks up the fight and allows this man to leave without getting his full name. Of course. Of fucking course. Because he says he's not going to press charges. And that's what sucks because he was outnumbered and they started the fight against yeah. him. And it fucking sucks. Yeah. So two hours later, Suge and Tupac get into the car and they're in their own car, and then their triage is behind them, multiple cars and vehicles, and they head out to a nightclub known as 662. hmm And at about 11.15 p.m., gunshots are heard at a stoplight at the intersection of Flamingo Boulevard and Colville. Now, Tupac used to wear a bulletproof vest, but he yep. knew he was going to the club, so he chose not to wear it. This was kind of a fatal choice for him. While they're at the stoplight, a white Cadillac pulls up to them. The window gets rolled down in the back seat. Someone sticks a gun out of the window, and they begin shooting at the car that held Suge and Tupac. Mm -hmm. At this time, Tupac is trying to crawl into the back seat. He's hit four times, one of which puncturing his lungs. 
Um, at the time, there were bicycle cops that were actually in the area when the gunshots went off. Mm-hmm. And they saw a car erratically driving from the scene. Right. So they chose to pursue that vehicle, which is a black BMW 750, not knowing if the vehicle was the shooter or the victims. Okay, yeah. Um, this is like, that was not the shooter's car. No. <laughs> Suge Knight... Uh, actually ended up driving over a median strip and caused him to blow his tire. And the vehicle was unable to drive at that point. And Sugar's driving and Tupac was in the passenger, passenger seat, seat, right? Okay. Yep. Um, so the cops get up to the vehicle and treat everyone there as if they're a suspect. I understand yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know, you don't know who is happens. who. Yeah. Um, because they really don't know any better. And people right. on the scene, as well as... Because you hear gunshots. You see right. someone driving fast, you assume that's the suspect. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So you're going to go after them and whatever. But right. everyone was like, no, these are the victims. Um, and Shug had been grazed by a bullet on his head. Right. Um, and they get to the passenger side of the vehicle where Tupac is at. And he has multiple gunshot wounds and he's clinging to life. Tupac was still talking at this time. Right. But losing significant blood. Yeah. And he becomes even more incapacitated. So Tupac and Suge are taken to the hospital in the same ambulance. Um, And once they get there, Tupac's taken in for emergency surgery and treatment. His right lung was actually removed in an attempt to stop his internal bleeding. Holy shit. And he fights for his life for six days until he dies from his injuries. I didn't know that he survived for six I days. I didn't either. I knew it was like a couple of days, but I didn't know it was that long. Mm-hmm. Fuck, man. I know. Super sad. So Tupac's death immediately starts an uproar for who's responsible. And the first finger is pointed at Death Row Records and Suge Knight. Um, as there's apparently rumors at the time that Tupac was going to leave Suge um, and he also refused to cooperate with investigation and reverse investigators. The fuck? Nobody man. knows why. I'm sure it's because he's still gang affiliated. And yeah. Like it's, he's not gonna. No. And the cops. thing that you have to remember too is like, regardless of what gang you're in, you don't snitch. Yeah. Exactly. Whether it's against yourself or yep. another gang, like yeah. you don't say shit. Yeah. Period. So... The Las Vegas investigators at this time have no evidence, they have no leads, and very few people in the group are willing to come forward and talk, which, again, this is something that you have to understand is, has to do with the gangs. Right. Like, yeah. This, you don't talk to cops. Yeah. Period. Exactly. And so that causes the investigation to come to a standstill. 300 miles away in California. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they get a lead. Damn. Uh, two informants come forward and state that the Southside Crypt member known, uh, or that there is a Southside Crypt member who's responsible and taking responsibility for Tupac's murder. So, I know. It's kind of like, like, is it street cred? Like, right. Like, someone's gonna take, yeah, someone's gonna be like, yeah, absolutely, I did that because they're rival gangs. Right. Like, come on. Curious. Mm-hmm. So within days of Tupac's murders, the streets of Compton actually erupt in gang violence. Yeah. Um, starting with a hit on one of the main Southside Crip members. Because, yeah, they assume that it's gang affiliated. Mm-hmm. And this continues for two weeks. I mean, it was straight bloodshed, bullets 24-7. Like, Compton was an absolute shit show right at this point. Right. Um. And they said that the gang violence was so high that they didn't know what to do. So they decided that the gang unit would come in and organize a raid in over 35 locations Damn. to try to handle the violence. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. 
So one of the raids was in the Southside Crip uh, main hangout where investigators find AK-47s, handguns, duffel bags full of weapons and bullets. Um, And one of the officers notices that one of the tags hanging on the duffel bags Mm -hmm. has an address of Halving Street in Las Vegas, Nevada. Oh, shit. So police obtain this knowledge and they ask the gang unit in California to do them a quick favor. Right. They ask them to review the footage from the MGM CCTV uh, cameras Mm -hmm. to see if the victim that was beat up by Tupac... Uh, in the death row group, yeah, was among those arrested. Mm. They recognize him right away as the oh. Southside Crip member, twenty-two-year-old Orlando Anderson. Also, just a baby man, just a baby, throwing away your life. I know, shit, so hard. He's not only a leader of the Southside Crips, but he's a notorious killer as well. Shit. This leads the Vegas police to think that Orlando Anderson could have been responsible for Tupac's death. Yeah. Yeah. So, investigators are really starting to think here. So, they see this bag with the Halverson Street address, and so they're like, you know what? That's probably a hangout. So, they actually go and raid this house. And, um... Yeah, they, they just think that there's a... That the shooter got the weapon from there and then went out and shot Tupac. Gotcha. So, they raid it. They find weapons. They... Everything's starting to connect. Damn. Las Vegas investigators actually end up going all the way to Compton to talk with Anderson, who is being held on unrelated charges at the time. And they ask him about what happened in Vegas and if he was involved, but they got nothing from him. Yeah. And this asshole was interviewed by media. Are you fucking kidding me? No, I'm dead fucking serious. Dude. And I actually watched the interview, and he was blatantly asked if he had anything to do with Tupac's murder, and he said he wasn't involved and he was the victim. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck, dude? But police can't arrest him. They can't connect him yeah. to the bag. They can't collect him to the wep- or connect him to the weapons, right. and the case goes cold. Of course. Ten years go by until Detective Greg Cadden gets a new lead as he's investigating the shooting and death of rapper Christopher Wallace, a.k.a. Biggie Smalls, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Notorious B.I.G. Mm-hmm. Um, and this has been an ongoing case. Yeah. Biggie Smalls was actually killed six months after Tupac's right. court. Which, fucking insane. It's nuts. And the fact that they're still investigating it ten years later yep. is mind-fucking-blowing, exactly. in my opinion. So in 2006, Detective Caden was investigating the death of Biggie Smalls, and the case actually segued into Tupac's case. I'm not even fucking surprised. Right. Because seriously, like, what the fuck are the odds? Come on, man. Truthfully, honestly. So when detectives start looking closely into the members of the Southside Crips, they start looking into Dwayne Keith, Keefe D. Davis, mm-hmm. who is also Orlando Anderson's uncle. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fuck. So, when he's brought in for questioning for Biggie Small's case, he wasn't talking. And so, they put together a case using informants and wiretaps in order to build an airtight drug trafficking case against him. Love it. So that he could either cooperate or he could go to prison for the rest of his life. Yeah, should have got off the pot. (laughs) In this case, his agreement with the government ensured that nothing he said could be used against him as self-incrimination. 
They gave him a very big opening and a very big leash to give them information. Dude, my eyes are just... I know, they're bugging out of your head. I get it, I get it, but I'm just like, fuck me. Mind blowing. Like, deal with the devil, man. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So Keefy D says he knows nothing about Biggie Small's case, but he drops a bombshell for detectives the night about the night of Tupac Shakur's being killed. Okay. Keefy D states that he was actually inside of that white Cadillac that night. And he tells detectives that Orlando was, in fact, the shooter who killed Tupac. We all fucking knew it. They just need fucking evidence. Mm -hmm. He apparently went back to his uncle and the crew and told them what happened at the hotel and that he was going to, quote, get them. So they all got into the caddy. I like to call it a caddy because that's how I am. So they got in the (laughs) caddy and they go looking for them. And they just so happen to roll up at the same stoplight. As Tupac Shakur. And do you remember how long it was after the fight happened? Two hours. Okay. You may have said that. I'm sorry. Nope. I didn't say that. Okay. But I know it from my research. That's a fucking... Just a crazy fucking coincidence, fluke. too. The thing is... is I that, mean, Flamingo... We know Flamingo Road is, like, right. one of the busiest ones on, on the strip. So that makes sense. But it still is, like... So the nightclub 662, everybody mm-hmm. knew that the group go would go there every okay, night. That so makes sense. So I they think knew they were really just trailing Flamingo yeah. to try to see if they could ping them and right. they just happened to get lucky. Okay. Okay. So, sadly Orlando Anderson was never charged with Tupac's murder as he was shot May 29th of 1998 in an unrelated gang incident taking his secrets to the grave. Well, fuck. He literally died within months. Of Tupac's murder. Or, I think a year, actually. Tupac was 1996, wasn't it? Yeah, two years. Two years later, yeah. he died. Like a year and a half after Biggie. Roughly, yeah. Yeah. The fuck? Yep. So, it's been 26 years since his death, but his music still resonates with his audience. And he has since sold more than 75 million records worldwide. Shit. And the majority of those sales have been after his death. Yeah. The Las Vegas police have never charged anybody with Tupac's murder. Um, but Tupac's friend and fellow rapper, Money B, sup bro, <laughs> uh, stated that he felt like Tupac might have truly felt like he did not have a long time and that there was a possibility that something would eventually happen to him. I've heard that a lot. And it, the way he lived his life, and I'm not saying like he lived, when he was with Death Row, like yes, he was living a little bit more on the edge, but before that... He lived with a purpose. Like, he lived, like, he knew all of our time is limited on Earth. But the way that he lived, the way he protected others, the way he fought for others, it just, I I can see that. Yeah. For sure. And he lived more of a life in his 25 years than people do in their entire lifetime. absolutely. And that's why I think it's so... It's so easy to forget how young he was when he died because he really was just... His persona was so big. You yes, make like him, he was otherworldly, man. Yeah, you think he's much older. Yeah. You think he's, you know, a grown-ass yeah. man, but he, he truly was, was still a baby. wise beyond his years. Oh, and the absolutely. way he carried himself. And it's like, I always just, anytime I think of him, it's just like, he was stoic. And absolutely. it was just like, you knew that he was working on a whole other level. He really was. And... I think he was far ahead of his time, and I think that's why he blew up so much posthumously. I think a lot of that is just so people realize, like, what they're missing out on, seriously, oh, when absolutely. he was alive. And his third album, he did actually start finally garnering some, you know, claim and everything, but he had so much potential, but I feel like we're so lucky as a society to 
have his music have his influence because mm-hmm. it really has made such a difference and it still continues to. Mm-hmm. And, and like, you know, there's always that conspiracy theory that he's still alive. And a lot I was going to ask, are you going to say anything? I'm going to talk about it. Cause, uh, <laughs> you know, I sometimes wonder if that's true. Cause a lot of people talk about how they feel like he was targeted because he, there was a lot of rumors going around that he was trying to leave death records. Yeah, I know. And for death row records. Because I remember that was a theory that I had heard when I was younger that Suge Knight, they thought Suge Knight was involved or they had did. something to do with it. But I mean, police brought up a very good point. Like, why would you tell somebody to shoot to your car but not hit you? Yeah. Honestly, like, how are, how are you going to accomplish that? That yeah. seems like a very far-fetched thing to do. However, if you got CD people involved, they do their own shit, you yeah, know? That's fair. Because you know damn well if he ever would have left death row, because Suge Knight saw him as a money ticket. Come oh, on. absolutely. He absolutely did, or as a meal ticket. And if he would have ever left, he would have put a hit out on him, I would guarantee you. Oh, absolutely. And then there was, like, that whole drama with Suge Knight claiming that Dr. Dre put a hit on him and... 2014 mm-hmm. that too dude it's, drama it's a i personally think like it's a scary world with death row records yes. um it is like like it even scares me kind of talking about yeah. it a little bit but it's like the underbelly yeah of the rap world it really is it is and yeah. i think it's calmed down a lot obviously in the years yeah well he's now. like pushing 60 at this point yeah probably. he truly yeah. is yeah <laughs> He's getting, he's getting up He's there. a senior now. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's just one of those things of, I just, I felt like Tupac was speaking to me because I wanted yeah. to get his his name out there. I mean, he's already out there. He's super yeah, famous, absolutely. don't get me wrong. But I think so many people lose sight of who he was before he became yes. a Death Row Records yeah. rapper. And who he was as a person. Yeah, because I think so many people associate him with Suge Knight because yep. when I was, because like I said, I was only... I don't even think I'd, I had turned six shortly before he died. Yeah. And, and I was nine. Yeah. And he, he, everything I remember, I, it was always him associated with gang activity. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't, that was that wasn't the him. last bit of his life. And it was literally the last like months yeah. of his it life. It was like hardly anything. And yes, he was, he was in it for sure, but that was not his legacy, Mm-mm. you know? And so many people try to make that his legacy and it wasn't. And I think he really wanted an out. Like, yeah. From what people were saying, his friends who were interviewed and stuff and who are now famous rappers like Big Sky and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, they came out and just said, you know, he did, that was not who he was and no. he was not enjoying it. Like, yeah, he was enjoying some of the perks of it. Right. And he was enjoying his name being out there and his face being out there. Right. But what they represented was not what he represented. So right. I sometimes wonder if that conspiracy theory is not wrong. Yeah, because seriously, like... And if he just dropped off the face of the planet because yep. he was like, I don't want to be involved right. in this anymore. And what if he is and he's just living a life full of bliss... In simplicity and just probably writing some dope ass poetry, royalties. <laughs> right? Because just think about it, like what if? Because I don't know. I because Death Row would only have the royalties to his third album would only have any claim to that. So whatever he has, and Interscope, Interscope has everything. Maybe else. he has like an in with someone at Interscope, and they're like, Make I would totally be all for it. I hope I he does. So for it, <laughs> I hope he does. Honestly, like good for him if he is. Oh, absolutely. I really, I can't say. Neither here nor there. Me either. And but you know me and my conspiracy yeah. theories. No, in <laughs> that one, 
I have to say, I've heard very... It's plausible. Yeah, because I've heard some... Isn't there, like, a story that he's been seen down in, like, the Bahamas or something? Yeah, I think, like, in the Caribbean. Yeah. But, yeah, because I remember hearing something, like, they never... I think, like, they said, like, his mom never saw his body. No, she didn't. Yeah, and, like... There was no open casket. Yeah. Like, nothing. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. I... I mean, I kind of hope so. If he is, good for you, honey. I hope you're happy. Because your lyrics speak to my soul. Right. And either way, I mean, obviously... More than likely, he is not still alive. However, right. you know, he knows what he left. He Absolutely. knows what impact he left. And Absolutely. that's got to be so gratifying. And just... At least I hope so. Yeah. You know. I hope so, too. I hope he's happy with the legacy that he left. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because, seriously, an incredible mind and an inc- a life cut incredible way too short. Writer yeah. slash poet, honestly. Yeah. He was a gifted lyricist. And he paved the way for... So many talented rappers, mm-hmm. you know, talented ones, emphasizing that because we don't have surplus of those these days. But, yeah. Yeah. Damn. So that's the story of Tupac Shakur. Great, crush that! Okay. There was so much, because like I said, I was so young when it happened. Like, yeah. a lot of the ins and outs, I just never knew a lot of it. Because you've seen, I, like, I've seen plenty, like, surface level stories about it, but they always just focus on the last months of his life. Like, yeah. anything that I recount seeing, because I remember seeing, like, the... Hollywood true story from E. That was literally, I remember it being only about like when he was in New York to when he died in Las Vegas. And there's like fucking jack shit about before then. Because I didn't even realize he was with Interscope first. All I knew is him being on Death Row Records. And I still see the Interscope like symbol in my head. Yes, I can see it in mine too. (laughs) (laughs) That symbol was like lit. Yeah. (laughs) And damn, you have to wonder because if he stayed with Interscope, he'd still be alive. I if think he not. would. I think he yeah, would. Yeah, because he wouldn't... Like, what are the odds that he would have gotten in with the Bloods or the Crips with still being in Interscope? Yeah. You know? I think he still probably would have been in trouble because he was in trouble when he was with Interscope, but... Yeah, but I it wasn't... I think it wouldn't have been as crazy. He didn't crazy have hits out brain. on him. Well, he did when oh, he yeah, went to shit. jail. That's right. For the rape, but I think yeah. that was because of the rape that right. people were putting hits out on him. It right. didn't necessarily have to do with his... Persona and right. his lyrics. Yeah. Shit. I know. That was good, though. A legend. Gone too yeah. soon. Thank you for talking about him. Absolutely. Like, his life was incredible. It was tragic, but it was I just incredible. love him so much. He did so much fucking good, though. Like, yeah. with what he had, with what he could, like... He, he put really... so much knowledge out there of what people were so blind to or yeah. refusing to look at or see. And he fought for people. He fought for... People who were oppressed, people who didn't have an upper hand, people mm-hmm. who didn't have privilege. It's just, mm-hmm. and seriously, like, that paved the way. Because, I mean, I know we're, social media is such a double-edged sword right now, but it we're is. fortunate in that we can spread our word very quickly. Yeah. And, you know, back then that wasn't a thing. True. And he had to do it through his lyrics, and he did it. He did he a great job of it. did it. I loved him. Yeah. I still do. Yeah. But, yeah, so there's two punks decor awesome. for you. Damn. Fucking legend. Yeah. Seriously. Like, his his whole story just, like, makes me sad, but also, like, it lifts you up at the same time mm-hmm. because of That's why I that wanted to do it. It was, like, it's still a true crime and it's still sad, but yeah. it's a little lighter of a right. story. His ending was tragic, but he was not tragic. No. And that's what makes it... Fucking legend. Yeah. And seriously, he, he became a legend. Like, he was on the precipice 
of getting there, and he became a legend. I just wish we could have seen where he could have gone. Because I think... I think he would have been above, you know, the more famous rappers that oh, we have now, Snoop yeah. Dogg and Eminem. Can you and- imagine him being around when, especially, like, Dr. Dre, because Dr. Dre was yes. still, like, big in his own right, but then, like, literally, like, the early 2000s he for our generation up. is, yeah, when he blew up and when and Eminem him and came out. And Snoop both blew up yes. them, and then Eminem followed. Right. And can you fucking imagine if oh. Tupac was in there? Like, it would have been different. I can tell you oh, that. Oh, absolutely. Like, rap in the 2000s would have been completely different. Oh, if him and Biggie had actually survived yeah. into the 2000s, I think the game would have changed yeah, immensely. Yeah, because really, especially because I feel like Diddy, back when he was Well, Diddy and Daddy, Eazy-E, I would say, are the two that probably started it yes but definitely diddy took more from like biggie because i especially like and i think easy hypnotize of tupac yes because like when i think of hypnotize you can definitely tell it like diddy took that yes and ran with it and yeah because i think it would have been really different but it it would also be interesting to Mm -hmm. see how things would have ended up yeah so damn that was a great story girl thanks love it i love it i love it i love it subject well, I don't think we have anything else to... We have a very long extra. I call it an extra, but I know it's extra. not. Extra? Extra, like an exit. An outro. Extra. <laughs> Get it? Uh, outro. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do have a link tree now, but I know some people are weirdly... They don't get link trees, which is confusing to me because I'm like, it's literally just clicking buttons, but that's okay. Thanks. But I do put the link tree in our notes too, but I'll give you the other spiel anyway. Um, if you want to send us any case suggestions, if you just want to talk to us, if you have feedback, any of the shit, you can email us at in the nick of crime podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at nick of crime podcast. You can find us on the Dicky Talks at in the nick of crime podcast. Both are all spelled together, friends. All one word. All one word. <laughs> and then, like we touched on at the beginning, become a patron. We told you all the perks at the beginning. We haven't changed our mind in the course of this episode. So those are the perks right now. <laughs> there you go. But we are, you know, our Patreon is integrated with public posts and Patreon posts. So you get both. But we are at patreon.com slash in the nick of crime. And lastly... Please leave us a rating and review. Again, just for feedback. We say that every week. We but did. yeah. I don't know what we have to do to get people to just talk to us. Cause we have lots of listens, but yeah, I don't I know. Don't know. <laughs> I'm bummed. Yeah. But even if you just want to shoot us a message, that's fine. DM us on Instagram, message us on I think you can message us on Patreon. Message us on You can talk. Yeah. Email us. Anything, bro. Hit us up. Just talk to us. Let us know. What you're digging, what you're not digging. If we don't hear from any anything from anyone, we're going to assume you just like how our dumbasses do this anyway. And we'll just <laughs> keep up with this fucking shit show. With our fuckery. <laughs> our weekly and all the time fuckery. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that's all I've got, girl. Well, then I'm going to end it with uh, keep it creepy and stay freaky. And we will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.